Rockwell Church. It is certainly an honor and a privilege to be here with you on today. I greet you with Jesus' joy. And I do give honor to your pastor and first lady in their absence, to all of the official boards of the church, to all of the ministries that have made themselves available to be used by God on today, to you, my brothers and sisters, in Jesus' name. I want to just say thank you because my pastor tells me all the time that when folk are nice, they don't have to be nice to you. And I have felt kindness and the spirit of God since I entered this place. So thank you for being nice to me. I am honored to be here. And I won't be before you long, but there is a word from the Lord. Today our text is coming from 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I just want to lift up one verse of scripture, but I do encourage you to read it in its entirety when you have a chance. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. I'm reading from the King James Version, but I also want to read the NIV Version. The NIV says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The King James says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. My subject for the time that we have this morning is victory in the vessel. Victory in the vessel. Pray with me. Daddy, it's me. And I want to thank you again for waking me up this morning. Starting me on my way. Thank you for being a present help at all times. Thank you for keeping us and bringing us together in this place. But now it's preaching time. Your word asks the question, how shall they hear without a preacher? Daddy, send a preacher on today so that somebody can leave this place different than they came. You get the glory. Use me. Use me, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And if you love them, just go ahead and holler amen. Victory in the vessel. Now, family, I'm going to share a secret with you, but promise me you won't tell nobody. Somewhere along the way in my life, something has happened to me. And it seems that I have messed up and fallen completely in love with our God. What's interesting about it is that this is not your everyday, ordinary type of love. What I mean is that I don't wake up on Sunday morning, roll out of bed, put on my I love Jesus stockings, manufacture a smile on my face and a praise on my lips and make my way to the house of God. But I have discovered that my Mondays ain't right without him. My Tuesdays are too much if him and me ain't together. My Wednesdays don't work. My Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays either. If I can't spend time with him during the week, my life is not going to be okay. 
And the love that I have for him is so deep. I'm telling y'all it's deep. That I care about what our God wants. And you know what else? I care about what he needs. Now most people think about God and they don't think that God has wants. And they really don't think he has needs. I mean, he is the God that stepped out onto everything, declared everything to be, and it became. What could God possibly want, and what does he need? Well, what he wants is is simple. You can look at Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Well, it tells the creation story. It says that God created for six days, looked at everything he made, and said that it was all good. But on the sixth day in the evening time, it says he took the dust of the ground, formed it into a being, breathed the breath of life into the being, and it became a living being. God looked at it and he said, you know what? It ain't good. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. And so he created from man, woman. God does not want us to be alone. We become vulnerable on this journey. When we don't have God-like people in our lives, he does not want us to be by ourselves. And then the other part of what God needs is found, what he wants is found when they ask him the question. They say, well, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He does not want us to be alone, and he wants us to love each other. That's simple. But what is it that God needs? I've come to discover that what God needs depends really on what we need. If you read the Bible, You get a chance to see the triune God in action. From Genesis to Malachi, that's God for us. He's casting out, he's making a way for his people. He's opening up red seas and letting them cross through on dry ground. He is God for us. If you read the synoptic gospels, when Jesus came down 40 and two generations, he was God with us. Emmanuel. And then something happened in the book of Acts chapter number two. The Bible says when they were all together in one place on one court, the sound like the rush of a violent wind filled the house where they were sitting and divided divided tongues as a fire appeared among them. A tongue rested on each of them and they began to speak in other languages as the spirit gave them ability. That's God in us. When God was for us, what he needed was a valiant soldier. Mm Mm-hmm. So he rose David up, brought him from the sheep pen, tended his father's sheep, prepared him and sent him to the palace to lead his people. He needed a valiant soldier when God was for us. When God was with us, he needed a voice. The Bible says that John the Baptist was in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord. And he told the story of the one to come. And they needed to repent and get right because Jesus was here. But now, what does God need? He needs a vessel. And as I was reading and wrestling with this text, let me just share with you, I'm real with God. And I ask God questions. I know there's some folk don't question God. I ask a whole lot. I raise my hand. Because sometimes this faith journey is difficult. And I will not go to hell simply because I didn't understand how to get to heaven. And so I had to ask the question, well, daddy, what what does being a vessel require? Because I know what it took for David to be a valiant soldier. He had to wrestle with lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. He had to work for Saul, who was jealous of him. 
And he had to play the harp because Saul was being tormented by demons. And David, when he played the harp, the demons left his presence and he would call him to play. But then he would be jealous and he would start throwing spears at David. David ended up on the run for his life in Ziklag, a long way from home. That's what it took to be a valiant soldier. And then I look at John the Baptist in the woods, people thinking he's crazy. He's eating wild locusts and honey. And to top it off, when he was finished preparing the way, he was beheaded for preaching too bold and too good. And if that's what it took to be a valiant soldier, and that's what it took to be a voice, I'm a little nervous thinking about what it's going to take to be a vessel. And I don't want to sign up for something that I'm not going to do. I promised him when he called me to the ministry that I would give him all or nothing. But he wanted me to be a vessel. I have learned in my very juvenile wisdom that being a vessel is not easy. We talked about the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, three in one. But do you know that to be a vessel, you got to be a triune person too? I ain't even real deep with this. This ain't even deep. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, created in his image. You know, we have a mind, a body, and a spirit. That sounds real good. It's theologically sound. But what I'm talking about is that in order to be a vessel, you have to learn how to manage the persona, the person, and the patient. The persona, the person, and the patient. The persona is interesting because when you come down the aisle or however you come to Jesus, you become this person that now is viewed in the spotlight of life. What you say, what you do, Everything about you is now under a microscope. Everybody's looking at you. They're trying to see if you are who you say you are. They're trying to see if God really did what you said he did. And they're watching your every move. And what happens is they start to see the God in you. And they begin to have expectations of you. And they begin to look at you in a certain way. But can I tell somebody that what's crazy about it is that the persona really ain't you. You have nothing to do with it. It's other people's opinion of you. But you still have to manage the persona. Because if you don't, when you fall off that pedestal that people put you on, you will lose yourself and your way. But if you're going to be a vessel, you might as well get ready to manage the persona. And then there's the person. For years, I've watched pastors and deacons and ushers, people in ministry. And most oftentimes when I talk to them and ask the question, how you doing? A lot of them share that ministry is a lonely work. I never understood it. Because usually you see crowds of folk together when ministry is going forth. How could you be lonely surrounded by people? But I think I figured it out. The problem is that underneath the persona, we're all people. We have feelings. We got families, we got flaws, we got stuff. 
And the thing about it is the person that we are or the people that we are needs to be loved and ministered to. But they're so busy looking at the persona that they reject the person just for who they think you are and miss the real you. You have to manage the persona. Because you don't want to lose the person. Meet me and daddy, we have an agreement. You know, for a long time, he was calling me to ministry. And I was like, nah, I ain't doing that. That ain't for me. I'm sorry. I seen what that looked like. I'm not going there. But he kept calling me. And finally, I got to the place where I said to him, I'll make a deal with you. You know, that, that's a joke, right? Because he, he, he got it and I'm not. But he sometimes will humor us. You know, and, 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 and he knew my background. I would be out, you know, places and see people from the church doing stuff that was not godlike. And then the moments I slid into the church, they'd be in the church shouting and running around. So the agreement that I made with our God, I said, listen, I'll do it. But I got to be myself. I can't put on airs. I don't want to be a Sunday morning Christian. I want to walk this walk and live this thing for real. No, I'm not perfect. Yes, I make mistakes all the time, but I want to get this right. Not not be perfect in terms of not make mistakes, but I want to be perfect in terms of maturing in the things of God. I want to be serious about studying his word. I want to have a prayer life that keeps me when life falls apart on me. I want to be in this thing for real. I don't want to do it for fake. And daddy said, cool, that, that sounds good. But it's still not easy, even having a connection with him. But what I love about God is that God cares about the people that we are. Man will reject the person you are for the persona they've created of you. But God pays attention and ministers to the people in us. And then the last thing, the last thing, the patience. Can I just tell y'all a secret? Don't y'all promise y'all ain't gonna tell nobody. I'm telling y'all all my secrets today. Um, when God calls us for ministry, He doesn't take away our flaws. No, He doesn't. He He called Noah, and He didn't send him to Alcoholics Anonymous. He was still a drunk. He showed up to Moses in. The bush that was on fire but wasn't burning. But he didn't exonerate him of his murder conviction. And he didn't didn't settle him down because Moses was experiencing an identity crisis. He calls us as we are. And what he does is begin the process of sanctifying us to be who he called us to be. Right. But what people don't understand is that some of us are still broken in places because we've had experiences in life. And most of them people don't know about. We've been hurt by others. Right. We've had people talk down to us in life. Tell us what we could not be and who we were not. We've had people tell us that we couldn't accomplish dreams and goals and things of that nature. We had people lie on us, lie to us. We've been through stuff. And when you go through stuff, you wind up, even though you make it through with scars. 
And so what's interesting to me is that I'm a Christian and I'm real with it. But folks still, if you say something out of pocket, will look at you and say, you're supposed to be a Christian. I still am. But you struck a chord with the patient in me. And God has not healed me there yet. So you ought not go there because I might say what I'm thinking instead of what my Bible told me to say. I make no apologies for who I am because God knows me fully and he loves me just as I am. And what I'm trying to communicate with you guys this morning is that being a vessel is work. It's not easy. You have to manage the persona and the person and the patient in you. Because the reality of it is that God's victory is through the vessel. Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Jesus died on Calvary. And then he saved us from sin and set us free so that he could put his treasure in us and deliver the world around us. His healing power is in me because when I was sick and could not get well, I called on him and he showed up and healed my body. His resurrection power is in us. Because when the world counted us out, when we were down for the count, it was him that showed up, called our name, and we came forth. Our victory was in him on Calvary. He overcame sin, death, hell, and the grave for us. And now he put his treasure in us so we could overcome the perils of this world and be victorious and go on with him. God is so amazing. We come as we are. It's not just how you dress. You come as you are. Baggage and all. Bring it with you. And when you get there, he will love you beyond your pain. He will raise you up and give you a purpose. And you become who he always wanted you to be, but got off track when the world got hold of you. And today, he's saying, listen, there's so much going on. Read your Bible. We are living in the last days. Jesus is soon to come. But we can work now while it is day. And be the vessels he's calling for right now. So that his power can be shown in you. And somebody will give up their life of sin and surrender to him. He needed a valiant soldier when he was for us. He needed a voice when he was with us. Now we carry in our bodies this treasure as earthen, flawed vessels. And if you take him up on his offer, he'll gain his victory in you from the vessel. It's not a hard lesson, and I'm done. Stick a fork in me. God needs a vessel. I don't know about you, but even though it's going to take something from me, 
I'm down for it. Because it's always been Calvary for me. So now it's going to be a vessel in me for him. To God be the glory. I love y'all. Thank you for allowing me to share.